folks. I'm back with another interview today. And today I have a very, very special guest. Um, I have the promoter of Revolution Pro Wrestling. This is super exciting for me. And I think it's exciting for all wrestling fans as we anticipate um, what could be the greatest weekend of pro wrestling maybe ever. <laughs> so um, obviously All In is right around the corner as well as Rev Pro's 11th anniversary show in Copper Box Arena. Andy, how are you today? I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, I'm starting to get that uh, that feeling, you know, as you approach those big shows. Um, we always say there's almost like a fight atmosphere, um, you know, akin to those big fight weeks uh, in combat sports um, when, when we're kind of a fast approaching a show. Um, but this one seems extra special because obviously it's got, well, it will be um, the, the biggest show that we've ever produced as uh, Revolution Pro Wrestling as a standalone. Um, but of course, you can't overlook, you know, we're going to be perhaps overshadowed um, in terms of spectacle, but as I'm sure we get into, um, not by in-ring and content on the show, um, you know, the spectacle of the biggest professional wrestling show potentially of all time um, in AEW All In. So it's just an exciting time um, to be a pro wrestling fan in general, uh, but also an exciting time to be a fan in the UK because I really feel like, uh, you know, for years and years, and this dates back to obviously SummerSlam 92 at Wembley Stadium, um, but then you think about the UK pay-per-views like One Night Only with Bulldog and Michaels, the, the Monday Night Raws, etc. You think about TNA's biggest houses they ever got were in the United Kingdom and you think about you know just a rabid reaction of the fans um, and you know you really feels like um, UK fans are long overdue something special not just you know a we're going to service you with some token wrestling but something very very special and I hope that that's exactly what All In is going to be and I hope that we as Revolution Pro Wrestling can absolutely add to that experience for wrestling fans, especially those um, traveling from around the globe, because literally we've got so many people from so many different countries attending this show, like yourself. Yes. Um, I've never done this before of just, you know, travel strictly across the world for a wrestling show. But like, I just knew I had to do it. And it wasn't just for All In. It was also because I had been to a Rev Pro show. I knew you guys were going to cook up something amazing that weekend and I just knew that like I just had to be in the room and lo and behold then you all announced the copper box show and I was vindicated instantly um and the Osprey Shingo match was announced and I was just like I really don't even care about the rest of the card at this point like <laughs> that's more than worth the price of admission and then the matches keep getting better and better and better as you all announced them to my knowledge, I think there's what I think five or six currently announced. Yeah, I think there's five announced. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're halfway there. It's a it's a super show. There's lots of yes. matches. And you all said that I think we're going to shoot for ten on yes. this card. Uh, yeah. And earlier today, um, which was, uh, well, the time we're recording this is night eleven of the G1 climax, and so. El Fantasma was just announced to be in the building um, to be competing at the um, Copper Box show. But I want to go to the beginning. How how did you get involved in wrestling? And then more specifically, Rev Pro. Like, were you there from the absolute beginning, or like, did you get involved later? Like, what was your journey to wrestling? 
Um, so my journey, like everyone, I think, who's involved in professional wrestling who hasn't come through the WWE Performance Center, um, I've been a lifelong professional wrestling fan. I always say, like, wrestling is one of those businesses you can't... Um, you don't get involved. You don't get involved in wrestling unless you're a fan. It's not like a a, a job like a, oh, you know, like I want to be a doctor. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a YouTuber. You know, um, you have to be a fan of professional wrestling to or to be like I know I can make it. It's not like the old days when you just had to be big and you know, a, a, you know, the wrestlers go into a nightclub, see a doorman, and be like, hey, you should be a wrestler. Come on, come with us. You know, it's not like that anymore. Um, so everyone involved in wrestling, um, I'd say 95% of people were wrestling fans. And of course, there's different, you know, lengths of time they've been fans. Um, but, you know, to, to get to a certain level, you, you have to have a certain level of dedication, which often comes with that fandom. And I think that a lot of people within the wrestling industry um, should be reminded of that fact on numerous occasions, especially the way some people tend to treat fans. Um, and fans should remind each other of that as well. We're all wrestling fans. We're all fans of this, this niche. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I see tribalism all the time in professional wrestling. I just think it's crazy because deep down we're all fans um, and we're all fans of this one thing that the general public outside of our wrestling bubble would probably laugh at. You know, so, yes. I, so so that's that's uh, I guess the the main start. Um, I, was, I was four years old when I first kind of was captivated by it, and uh, and I can't tell you one thing in particular which drew me in, but it was um you know I guess what wrestling is all about for me, and I guess it's a spectacle, the bright lights, the larger than life characters, um, the big sounds, the crowd, the atmosphere, um, just uh, the high octane action, just every single thing about it. Um, just appealed to childhood me and it just sucked me in and from that day on um, I've just consumed my entire life with professional wrestling um, long story short like from there I, uh, I kind of got involved in um, going to watch British wrestling shows um, as I was probably you know early teens um, and I always say like the beauty of independent professional wrestling. Look, I knew the standard in British, which I guess is kind of important in my story. The standard of British wrestling was not very good. There was no such thing as production levels. Um, you know, the, it was just uh, it was very much a cheap imitation of WWF as it was at the time. Um, but I still loved it. I still loved being around it. And for me as a child, some of those moments uh, really made my life. Um, and, and that's not really a, an exaggeration in any way, shape or form. I've got so many happy memories of being at, at these British wrestling shows, um, which is why I find what we're doing now to be so important. And even the smaller shows that we run, um, there's always a lot of emphasis on the big shows we run, um, not so much on the smaller shows we run. But I know how much impact um, any one of those shows can have on any single child. And if I can um, pass that love on to, to anyone um, then absolutely, um, that, that's exactly what I want to do. Um, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to kind of go off on a tangent. You're good, you're good, keep going. I mean, you'll probably find, you'll probably find <laughs> throughout the course of this um, that that's, that's what I'm good at, going off on tangents. But, um, but you know, um, you know I, I had, had role models in wrestling that I looked up to, um, and it just framed so much of my life. Um, and then... The thing with uh, independent professional wrestling um, is that you're so close to the action. Um, and I guess I kind of 
would hang around after the shows, try and talk to the wrestlers. Um, it was there when I first heard some derogatory terms towards fans from wrestlers as well. I didn't know exactly what I was hearing until a lot later on when I was kind of smartened up. And I was like, those guys are pretty much arseholes, the way they were talking about the fans, especially considering the standard of show they were putting on. And, you know, and, I, and, and for me, that mentality has always been one I've hated. So, um, you know, I've always tried to bring in some positivity with what, what we're doing. Um, but from there, I kind of, um, you know, started talking to the guys. I made some friends, you know, with, with, with you know, the fans that go start traveling around to all the different shows. I guess as I got to like maybe 15, 16, I started traveling around to different shows, you know, where I could jump on the train, um, go to shows in London um, and, and travel around a bit. And we'd start to see some familiar faces. Um, and there was one guy who I, I became friends with called Dan um, and, uh, Dan Ambrose, I should uh, I name check him just in case he's, he's listening. I like to kind of give credit to those who I've kind of come up with. Um, and he had done some wrestling training uh, in Portsmouth, which is actually where I live now, coincidentally, um, which is nowhere where I live, near where I lived then. Um, and he'd done some wrestling training in Portsmouth um, and injured his knee. So he was unable to to continue his his journey in wrestling but there was a referee training course um coming up in Portsmouth and he wanted someone to come along with him for, for the weekend so um I said I'd come along with him um and I guess from that point I, I became a referee and like I, I um I won a referee shirt and a spot refereeing on the next FWA Academy show um and and didn't look back from that point now um on this journey I kind of um should say FWA at the time was a Frontier Wrestling Alliance, and it was a promotion which uh, is the closest promotion I'm going to say to ECW um, in terms of it had that same cult-like following. The fans copied the chance you'd get from ECW. There was a first um, UK promotion to bring in imports who weren't former WWF superstars. Um, I guess to preface it, like when I started watching it, the, you know, you used to get on tour people like the Bushwhackers, Marty Jannetty, Jim Neidhart, Jake the Snake, people like that used to come over um, and, and be the main draws. But FWA was the first promotion um, to bring over an AJ Styles, a Jerry Lynn, Christopher Daniels, people like that. Um, and bearing in mind, this was before the days of TNA as well. So it was really um, hardcore wrestling fan stuff. Um, but they were able to appeal to, to that fan base. And this was, again, in the days of pre... like They were the first promotion to um, ever take advantage of the internet. Um, but this was like pre your, you know, your social media, your Twitter, your Facebooks, um, you know, the forum, the original forum was like a brave net forum. Anyone who's old <laughs> enough to remember those um, where you could just enter whatever name you wanted and write your comments, a very dangerous territory um, for a wrestling promotion. Um, but um, yeah, I, I kind of got involved there um, as a referee and that was, that was the first place I refereed. Um, and then I started refereeing up and down the country. I just wanted to referee. I, listen, I just consumed myself with professional wrestling. I just wanted to be around it 24-7. Didn't matter where the show was, I'd be there, I'd be refereeing up and down the country. Um, you know, I put in the work, I emailed promoters constantly. I became certain wrestlers' favourite referee, so they would put me in. Um, I'd jump in cars of wrestlers, um, you know, to just try and get experience, try and get work. Um, and on that journey in doing that, that's kind of where I, um, and again, I should say my, my background, um, I, I kind of uh, 
in university, I did when well, I guess A levels into university, so college into uni. Um, I've always been around theatre. Uh, my degrees in media and, and creative arts. Um, so I've had a love of theatre um, and a love of professional wrestling. They kind of both go hand in hand. I think wrestling's a, the, the ultimate form of theatre, um, which doesn't get enough credit. Um, but I uh, so because of that. And because of that knowledge and, and that love of theatre, I've kind of always had that interest in, in the way that shows are put together. Um, I've never been someone who's wanted to become a professional wrestler. I just wanted to be around wrestling. Right? And I guess when I was refereeing, I kind of start to understand the way shows flowed. You know, match placement on the card, who works well with one another, um, different spots which work well. Where where else can we use those spots in other shows? Um, and due to the nature of literally going up and down the country, I was uh, seeing wrestlers from all over the place. Um, there was very much a north-south divide in our country, which I'm sure for American fans is, is crazy to, to think yeah. about. <laughs> Essentially, England is one state in America, but, um, but there was very much a north-south divide. Um, and... You'd very rarely get so. So essentially, the way the, sh the makeup of a show went. And again, I'm bouncing all over the place. So feel free to pull me up at any point. But the way a show went back in those days was you'd essentially have maybe a London car and a Birmingham car. So you'd have two cars, um, and then you'd have some local talent, or you'd have a Manchester car and a Birmingham car. But you'd you'd only really have two cars and talent, and they'd all be lumped together. So if you were lucky enough to geographically live near someone. Who, or near a bunch of workers, then you are more likely to get more work. And that's the way it worked. Um, now, I was, um, I was then brought in um, to IPW um, as the booker. And this is going back to 2005, I believe. It may have been 2006. Um, but I, yeah, I can't <laughs> be exact. It's either 2005 or 2006. I was brought in as a booker at IPW as a second year of the promotions or whatever year that was. Um, and I, I started booking their shows um, and they were, they were a promotion that followed an FWA type model um, in terms of bringing imports over. Um, so there I first worked with um, Kevin Steen, El Generico or Sami Zayn. Um, I can't think who else we used to frequent those shows is, you know, it was like guys like Ultimo Dragon. So I started booking pack, um, you know, um, there's a real diversity of talent, which were, were kind of on those shows. Um, but that's really where I, I kind of gained my most experience. Um, and I utilized all the tools that I learned as a referee. Um, I utilized talent from around the country um, who other people hadn't seen. And I think at the time, FWA had, there were, there were key names in FWA. You had Alex Shane, you had Johnny Storm, you had Jody Fleisch, you had Doug Williams, and everything really ran through those four names. Um, so a lot of stuff got very samey. So it's like you bring in a Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles, who does he work? Oh, and it's going to be Doug, Johnny, or Josie. Essentially, it was a, you know, meanwhile, there was this whole, crew of young hungry wrestlers um, who were just waiting to be noticed and waiting to get an opportunity um, who I'd had the fortunate privilege of being able to see in their, their infancy of their careers so I was able to bring them in and use them to their fullest and we're talking about guys like Spuds who was Drake Maverick in WWF, WWE, um, uh, Jack Storm, Dave Mastiff, um, Martin Stone who was Danny Birch um, guys like that, you know, who, who really were hungry and, and waiting to make a name for themselves and really were able to tap into that. Um, 
and, and put these guys in in those matches where in situations where I knew they would be able to excel. Um, so I did that for a while, um, and then after after a while, I, it was kind of almost like I was spending someone else's money or working with someone else's budgets, and it kind kind of the the, the the short and easy version of a story is it got to the stage where I had to put some money my money where my mouth was. So I started promoting shows under the IPW banner. Um, I did this for, for quite some time. Um, it got to the extent that my shows were kind of really what was driving the promotion. Um, we had shows um, with, I like, obviously we were consistently using El Generico, but guys like um, uh, Young Bucks on the show, Paul London, um, people like that, you know, and, and, you know, and that's where you had like your Zack Sabre Juniors, your Marty Skulls, guys like that, um, you know, who, who hadn't, uh, who hadn't broken out into that worldwide scene. And this is, again, this is a time just before your Will Ospreys came through, you know. So um, so we were kind of really, again, just pushing at the forefront of that modern style of professional wrestling. Um, and we kind of did that for uh, quite some time. And then it got to a point where there was, a, a, between myself and the owner of IPW, um, there was a, a bit of friction in the sense of he wanted to do his thing, which I believed was um, devaluing um, what I was trying to do. Um, I was, I'd coined the phrase progressing at his best, which I still use to this day, um, because I think that kind of personifies what I'm trying to present, which is the highest quality of professional wrestling possible, um, with the most exciting names from around the world. Um, and, and coming back full circle to that car thing, I would just be like, I don't really care where the, the wrestlers are coming from. Let's just bring the best wrestlers. So if we have to bring a Johnny Moss all the way from Cumbria on his own, then let's do it because it's going to add to the value of a show. Um, and I was one of the first promoters to um, have the premium priced ticket for your front and second row, which in, in essence helps cover the cost of um you know, those extra expenses that I incurred by by literally throwing the rule book out the window. And in fact, it's a rule book which has been followed unsuccessfully by a number of promotions who've wound up giving it a go and going out of business in quick fashion because obviously it's uh, it's very hard to make it sustainable. And that's something that we've done since day one is try and make it sustainable. So um, in terms of we take baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, um, and we invest in everything we do. So, you know, we try and own as much of our own stuff as possible so um the video cameras uh, the live edit suite uh, the rings the vans you know we try and build 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 slowly 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 to create that foundation um where we're in a position where we're able to do stuff like we're doing we're able to run the schedule like we're we're, we're running because we own a lot of the stuff rather than hiring the majority of the stuff in um and it was 2000, it was actually August 2000, August 26th, 2012 would have been the first Revolution Pro Wrestling show, which is exactly 11 years to the day um, since we ran, uh, since from a, to the Copper Box show. So it's almost like it's written in the stars, uh, the, the 11 year anniversary show, we had to go big, um, especially when, you know, AEW announced what they were doing. Um, so I was kind of inspired by that. But, um, so since 2012, um, we've been running Revolution Pro Wrestling. Um, my company has been in existence since 2009, um, and it's just essentially the same company running Revolution Pro Wrestling. Um, we recognised all the champions that we had in IPW. We recognised, we continue to run the venues that we are running as IPW, um, but just kind of overnight, all the branding, 
the name at the top of the show. It all changed from there. Um, and really, from that point on, um, there was no looking back. And that's where the growth started to happen, because I was no longer handcuffed to, to anyone else or anything else. Um, and it was a case of everything was entirely my vision. Um, and I was able to just essentially just keep pushing what I'd been doing for all those years previously um, and just take it to another level. And then that's where we found you know, our, our home in York Hall, Bethnal Green, which is, um, you know, the home of British boxing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where our relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling formed. And, and then, you know, like I say, it's just growth, growth, growth since day one, even looking back to IPW, to RevPro, everything has been gradual, steady growth. Um, it's, we've certainly not been an overnight success and we've certainly been doing a lot of it under the radar. Well, yeah, I can definitely agree that you all have done incredible work. I've been impressed by the partnerships and just as an American who had never been in the UK, I came to the show by myself because like my friends don't like wrestling. <laughs> um, so I was kind of nervous, but it's a really it's a really cool environment. And I think that British wrestling has its own vibe. Like you can tell from the crowds, the, the way that they chant, they sing. Um, and I think Rev Pro has a very interesting vibe because while there's a balance of like these recognizable names that you might know from like, you know, majors or, you know, the um, are popular on the indies, there's still this emphasis on like these, this young, hungry talent. And so like you might buy a ticket. Like I remember I bought the ticket because Jack Morris was on the card. And I'm a Noah fan, and that was going to be his first appearance. But I walked away from that event like a huge fan of a JJ Gale or a, you know, Dan Maloney at the time. And um, other guys like that, you know, who I had never seen before. And so I think that that's a great balance that you all have. And so I see that balance on the car so far for Copperbox. So what is the thought process behind booking, you know, of, yes, you have the relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling, obviously, that's going to sell a lot of tickets, but it's also about putting this young, hungry talent in a position to succeed because they're going to be in front of eyes that have never seen them before. Yeah, well, obviously, we're being an independent and and kind of, again, I think people maybe don't understand the, the I think I think we're bigger than we are which I guess is a credit to us because of you know what we're trying to achieve and and yes this is very much full-time for myself um, but I am doing the job of like probably 50 men it's not even an exaggeration you know there's teams of people put together the stuff that, um, that I kind of put together um, and I think that with that in mind, we're kind of um, we're always wary of the fact that something can happen. So, for example, NXT UK came along and it took a lot of talent. Um, and so we're always wary that we have to be ready to to kind of keep having that depth so we can keep growing. Of course, we want all our wrestlers to kind of, you know, get to the next level um, and be seen by the wrestling world because of course the more people that see so you just referenced Dan Maloney who's obviously um one of our regulars who's just gone to New Japan and people can see that Danny, Dan Maloney's a very much a real the real deal right now um but you know I want people to see Dan Maloney and then be like oh where did he come from let's uh, let's look oh it's Rev Pro and you know see who look at his matches and you might see Dan Maloney against uh, JJ Gal um and because you've seen JJ Gal you've seen Dan Maloney in New Japan and now all of a sudden like you see JJ Gale and your eyes are opened up to him. So it's very important for us to, to keep a pipeline of talent coming through. But also, 
as I'm getting older, I see it more of my responsibility of, of I think a lot about legacy. I think a lot about what I'm, what I may leave behind. Um, and I, I, my intentions are so pure. I, I genuinely just want to, to do the best for professional wrestling. And it would be nice to be acknowledged for being able to do that. So, you know, so I know that my, my kind of life's work essentially, because I've been boy to man doing this, you know, um, I'd like to think that my life's work was worthwhile, you know, and, and I've, I have achieved something. I've been able to achieve something. Um, and I think that's why there's, is such an emphasis on trying to bring talent through, trying to help the industry as a whole um, and make sure the foundations are solid. Now, of course, when you're booking young talent, there are certain sacrifices you make. So, um, as you say, you know, people are attracted to the names. So it's, it's very, it would be very easy for me to just, you know, gravitate towards those big names and forget about the younger talent. But then what are you going to do when those, those bigger names, they go, they go off and do bigger and better things or, um, you know, they're not here next week. They're not here the week after. Or they, you know, so what are you going to do? You know, so we have to make sure we have that solid foundation. Um, and, and that's what we do. Um, and I, I, you know, I kind of um, try to play to, to wrestlers' strengths. Um, I try to look at their areas of weakness and try and work out how we can improve. Um, we have two training schools, We've got one in London, one in Portsmouth. We're constantly working on, uh, with, our, with our top pros as well, we're working on their development always. Um, and I believe we're, we're producing well-rounded um, professional wrestlers um, and we're putting them in environments where they've got the opportunity to, you, you know, we, and I never take success for, uh, you know, a, a wrestler's accomplishments, you know. Um, so if I put a wrestler out there, they, they succeed or fail based upon their own merits. But what I do is I give them platform to be able to do that. And I give them the guidance to be able to improve and to, to make themselves better. And we have a degree of patience with them because we, we know that they're not going to be able to knock it out of the park each and every time. We know that they're prone to sometimes making a mistake or, you know, have teachable moments in their careers. And it's very important to have that patience. But it's it's but ultimately, because we think long term instead of short term, we become the real winners because you see it like just coming through right now. Our talent roster has never been deeper. It's also never been younger, you know, and um you look at guys like Leon Slater, Cameron Kai, JJ Gale, um, Maya Matthews, you know, these young professional wrestlers who are just hungry, you know, and, and that's not even naming half of them, you know, um, and our future's in very safe hands because of that fact. One thing I always say is um, the generation, um, you know, like your Zack Sabre Jr. generation, into your Will Ospreay generation, well, I guess, so Zach would have to learn from the likes of Johnny Storm, Jody Flies, Doug Williams, etc. So that next generation was Spuds, Jack Storm, Dave Mastiff. Um, Jack Storm doesn't wrestle anymore, but he was an ex he's extremely talented wrestler. That's why he always springs to mind. But guys like Martin Stone, you know, they're the people who, um, who kind of almost were the teachers for the next generation. And that next generation were your Will Ospreys, et cetera. Um, and Will was able to learn from the likes of 
you know, the people we were able to bring in for him to work as well, like Matt Seidel, Kazuchika Okada, um, people like that, you know, uh, Ricochet, AJ Styles, you know, so Will was able to have that benefit of learning from him. But now Will's in a situation where he is the AJ Styles, he is the Matt Seidel, so he's able to pass that uh, knowledge on to the next generation. And that's why um, I believe we've been so successful as well, because we've got to see of people who are so hungry to give back. Um, Zack Sabre Jr., Will Ospreay, they don't need to be working these shows for Revolution Pro Wrestling. They do it because they want to. They do it because they want to give back and they're actively giving back. Um, and that's, I guess, one of the coolest things about it, you know. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's why there's such strength. And I hope that, you know, those people coming through now who we've name-checked earlier, um, hopefully they will have that same mindset of your, your Will Ospreay, your Zack Sabre Juniors, and then they'll be able to teach you the next generation because the more people that the, the generations that follow have to learn from, the stronger and stronger the depth of talent gets. Um, and, you know, controversially, I'm going to say, I think that um, the, the depth of talent that we have is stronger than the United States independence at the moment. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons behind that, um, but I genuinely feel that, you know, you'll probably see um, promoters from overseas dipping into that UK base again. Um, like they did in the past, um, because I, you know, they're so well-rounded, they're so polished, um, and uh, yeah, and I, I'm proud of them all. I really am. Yes, I think you should be. Um, and I mean, I can see it just because, just being like in that environment, like there's so much raw talent there. Like, and even just like, I feel like there's something you can get from UK wrestling that is so different from all the other different um, wrestling markets. Like even seeing like somebody like Yoda Suji, who's still on excursion, like the character that he's doing now in new Japan, that is just like, you know, taken over. He really kind of crafted that and really came into his own at rev pro, like, you know, on excursion, really figuring out like, you know, who he was. And so like, I think that it's been a very great opportunity um, Ref Pro is just a great opportunity, I think, for a lot of talent to, you know, just blossom and grow. Like, I think that Leon Slater is going to take over the world one day. Like, he's absolutely insane. Like, you have um, Cameron Kai, like you said. Um, and one thing that I've noticed is that a lot of these names are pretty diverse, which I don't think that I immediately assumed are associated with um british wrestling like i didn't expect to see as many you know multicultural specifically black faces on one card as i did and so um i've noticed that it seems like the scene is starting to get more diverse or maybe you are just great at recruiting talent because you have some excellent 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 um black wrestlers on the roster so is that something that's important you know for you to um you know showcase the diversity um of the scene um as you book shows because like you have some awesome wrestlers right now yeah so well this is kind of i guess maybe one of my bugbears like i hate the i hate that men the mentality of um you know have I specifically gone out and rec recruited um, black faces for, for lack of a better term? Um, the answer is no. Like every single person is there because they're great professional wrestlers. Now, 
Um, I think that that's the most important thing um, for me is that everyone's there on merit and merit alone and everyone knows they're there on merit and merit alone. Um, I think one of the, I, I think I, I, I'm going to take it as a compliment, the fact that you're like, I wouldn't necessarily associate, you know, British wrestling with, with um, so many different cultures and backgrounds um, because I just want it to be normal. I want it to be just accepted as a norm. I don't want to have to shine a light on it and say, hey, look at this person of ethnic origin competing. Hey, look, there's not one, there's two, there's three, there's four. You know, I don't want it to be like that. You know, I want it to be uh, everyone, every single person that is there is there on merit, on talent, on ability. They know they've earned their spot. Every single person, male or female, black or white, they know they're on the cars because they've earned their spot. And really, I have to be ruthless in that respect because that's the only way you're going to get the very best. Absolutely. And, and I feel, feel that that's so, so important. Now, what I will say is, um, obviously, the more, the more black faces you see, the, the more you're going to get long term down the line, the more you're going to get, you know, um, the, the, the more women that are going to be on the shows, the more you're going to get down the line because it's a knock-on effect. Um, now, me speaking from personal experience, um, I had, should we say, an unintentional bias when I was younger towards black wrestlers, um, which my friends used to, to mock me about, right? And it wasn't until I got older. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I feel like... Um, during during the whole pandemic and the Black Lives Matter, I think for me, like that wasn't it wasn't really until then that I ever had any kind of period of reflection. Um, and I think that again, I don't want to kind of get too deep here. Um, oh, you're fine, yeah. But I feel like a a lot of stuff um, I would have um, let's say I'm less tolerant towards racism now than I ever was before. You know, I was always the, the guy that would laugh it off. You know, I was always the guy that would be like, ah, whatever, let them, you know, let them continue to be ignorant, right? <laughs> but I've since kind of learned that education and discussion is a key to, to, to any of life's problems, not just race, right? I think any of life's problems. And I feel like one thing that our um, society is very good at is picking a side, one side or the other, right? It's either you're pro Black Lives Matter or you're a full on racist. That's kind of often the mentality. When there's really, a, there's definitely a gray area in between and there's definitely room for discussion around the subject, um, which I think that people often just disregard. And um, I'm not sure where this, how this relates to wrestling, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, wrestling's life, life is wrestling, you know. Um, but um, I guess when I was, uh, so so in that period of reflection, I kind of realised that, you know, this thing that the, my friends mocked me for, being like, oh, you just like him because he's black. You, maybe there is an element of truth to that, right? Because we all look towards people that we can relate to. Absolutely. So when Ron Simmons won the WCW Heavyweight Championship, I was super pumped like I'd never been before. I didn't know why. I just thought I loved Ron Simmons because I loved Ron Simmons. But obviously, I could relate to Ron Simmons, right? And I think that 
that's obviously very important as well. And that's why, and that is why representation is important, right? But obviously, again, I say it has to be on merit, right? And the reason why you suddenly get more, um, more faces appear is because we're all influenced by someone or something. It's like, I believe the reason why the talent pool, so in British wrestling, we had a big boom around 2005, um, not too bad, maybe 2000, that two, uh, 2009 to 2000, and I don't know, maybe even later, 2012. Let's say when Rev Pro started. Say 2012 to 2018, it was somewhat of a boom for British professional wrestling, right? Now, I credit the Attitude Era with that, right? And the reason why is because wrestling became more, more mainstream during that time. Wrestling became more acceptable. Wrestling became more visible. And as a result, more people went to wrestling schools, right? Mm -hmm. And then your first wave of people, you're not necessarily going to have the same level of talent. But then, as I said, we learn from a generation before. And the more people there are to learn from, the more you're going to learn, the better you're going to get. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. It's great to learn from other people's mistakes, right? And I think that um, the same I think happened overseas as well. You know, wrestling just, it was just global phenomenon overnight, all of a sudden, you know? And I think because of that, there became a huge depth of talent. Now, that's why the, the, the you know, the, the talent levels were so strong. Now, obviously it dictates that the number of, of say ethnic faces and not, and I mean, I'm going to include women in this as well. Mm -hmm. um, the number increases and you just need to be inspired by someone or something. So before a whole generation was inspired by people walking around shouting, suck it. And you know, whatever <laughs> else it was, you know um, that's what people were inspired by, but now it might be, you know, it might be the feats of athleticism from a Leon Slater, for example, right? And you see a Leon Slater, you see a Michael Oku, and you get inspired by them. And if people can relate to them, you know, like Leon Slater says, Michael Oku was his hero. Like Michael Oku's been doing this thing for like five years. <laughs> Yet Michael Oku was Leon Slater's hero when he was coming through because Michael Oku obviously got on shows a little bit before, because I think Leon Slater could relate to him a little bit. Absolutely. You know? And these faces have got the opportunity to influence the next generation. And as that happens, so that, you know, the more, uh, the more people of color that can relate to those people, the more that will come through the training school. Now, just entering the training school as a person of color doesn't dictate that you get a pass. It doesn't dictate that all of a sudden you get on shows, you get fast tracked. You know, there's a thing, such thing as positive discrimination as well, right? Mm -hmm. Whole thing's ridiculous. It's about talent levels, right? And obviously, the more people of any race that get involved, the more people of that race are more likely to inspire. You inspire more people. It's a numbers game. You're Absolutely. more likely to find better talent. You know, so that's what's happened. You know, it's not a case of you know, ticking boxes. It's not a case of, oh, you need to put, you know, we need to make the the, uh, the poster look more ethnic. We need to make the poster look more colourful, you know. Um, it's it's a case of 
we're putting people there based on merit, but in doing so, we're, we're naturally um, encouraging the next generation to get involved and to understand there is no ceiling, right? And to, to have that open mind to all talent is the most important thing. And I think that's just one of the most important things in life, to have an open mind, to be open to discussion. Um, and whilst we're, we're there as well, I think that having people in those positions be open to that discussion, because I always found it so uncomfortable. Like even now, you know, there's, there's people who are going to disagree with my stance, right? You may disagree with my stance, and that's absolutely fine. It's a discussion, right? And, but I think that because it's such a divisive subject, and like I said, like, people always sit on one side of the wall or the other, rather than being open to that discussion, it makes it very difficult for people to speak about, because no one wants to find themselves in that situation where they're, they're in the middle of some kind of controversy, you know? And, and look, I've always said, I will always speak the truth. You know, I will always speak my truth because my truth may be different to someone else's experience. So that's all I can do because if you speak, if you speak your truth, you don't have to worry about getting caught up in, in lies, you know, in spin and, and whatever have you. So yes, I'm a, a professional wrestling promoter, but everything I say, I truly believe, you know, I'm not, I'm not spinning in hyperbole, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, this show is going to be the best because I'm trying to sell tickets. I'm saying this show is going to be the best because I genuinely believe it. And I, I think just everything just goes hand in hand. And I think that, yeah, if, if, if anything can be taken from that last God knows how long of rambling, <laughs> it's just that people can have that discussion. And, and you know, I, I feel that it's a, it is a very deep subject. It really is. Um, and there's so many different aspects of it we can look at. Um, and I do think it's very important to, um, to highlight you know, people's journeys, people's struggles, um, and and be able to discuss them um, because discussion leads to understanding, understanding leads to tolerance. Um, and that's it, basically. And it's just, uh, yeah, we've got to remember, ultimately, at its most base level, every single person is a human being. And, you know, everyone has bad days. We have to remember that. And when we're judging people, so much you know when we're judging people don't judge someone on their lowest point don't judge someone on you know if you, if you write a book you don't want someone to judge you on the worst chapter of your book you know you want them to judge you across the whole thing you know and we all we're all human we all make mistakes we all learn lessons um and i think that if we start accepting that more and learning and trying to educate ourselves and trying to understand better and accepting that other people are going to have other opinions, then I think just the world's going to be a much nicer place. So <laughs> you know, public service message as well. <laughs> I do think that, you know, talking about race and wrestling, diversity, period, anything in wrestling is so difficult. But I do agree with what you said as far as like, we're going to see this generation teach the next generation and just go on so forth on and so forth. And I'm actually really excited to see the future because I think like so many people will be inspired um, just by, you know, seeing someone who looks like them and not just, you know, black faces, um, women, like, as you said, like just having, you know, more opportunities just be available for everyone across the board. It's going to continue to trickle down, I would say, uh, in the future. And like even this generation 
of wrestling period looks completely different than the last. And like, hopefully we continue to evolve and grow as we go forward. Um, but speaking of going forward, um, the actual show. So um, Copper Box is a pretty big venue. Um, what is What was the thought process behind booking a venue that large? Just because obviously, you know, I know All In is definitely inspiring, go big or go home, but this is a great undertaking for our um, Rev Pro, but not an impossible one because, um, like I said, this card is pretty awesome and it's not even finished yet. Yeah, well, I I feel like it, it, a lot of it was All In, I'm not going to lie. So, like, obviously, when they announced they, they, they were running, of course, we'd try to put something on um, around the same time as them. And, of course, our easy option would have just been to run your call, you know. Um, but when you see, uh, or, and again, look, AEW have <laughs> much wider resources than us, have a much bigger net. Um, and and, and look, if I had AEW's resources, then, then the world would be a different place right now. <laughs> tropical island right now. And, but um, but um, the, the, the thing is, seeing them go for Wembley Stadium, they could have gone for the easy option. They went for the more difficult option. That kind of stuff is inspiring. And and again, you can say whatever you like about Tony Khan, but I absolutely have to give him all the credit in the world for for having, quite frankly, the ball, like literally, not just the balls to run Wembley Stadium, but the balls to go up against Vince McMahon, the balls to go up against WWE, you know? He dreamt big. And sure, he may have had the resources, but look, Tony Khan's a busy man. And yeah. I'm sure Tony Khan's got a lot of hobbies as well. And I'm sure Tony Khan's got a lot of things he could be spending his money on. And I'm sure he's got a lot of sure bets he could be spending his money on. But he's just like all of us. He's been bitten by that professional wrestling bug. And that kind of stuff is inspiring, you know. And to see them running all in at Wembley Stadium, not Wembley Arena. Everyone thought that they'd misheard something or <laughs> AEW had made the biggest bath of all time. You know, I'm going to have to backtrack and say, sorry, when we said Wembley Stadium, we actually meant Wembley Arena. Um, <laughs> but, but no, they they said it, they meant it, and they've gone through with it. And that's really the, the kind of spirit that AEW was born in. Um, that's the spirit of the original All In. Um, and when they are delivering an event of that size, to me, and, and they're bringing it to the UK, to me, I feel a responsibility as someone who's involved in the UK wrestling industry to try and add to what they're doing, right? Yes, it's a great commercial opportunity for us, but we could have taken an easier route, you know, a more of a sure thing. We could have run, for example, Crystal Palace was another venue that we had booked for that weekend. Like I booked several venues. I had a lot of ideas and I wanted to kind of... Um, I guess, have options to fall back on should one thing not work out. Um, but I, I just kind of knew it had to be, uh, like I said, when we when you announced it, go big or go home, it had to be Copper Box, you know. Um, and yes, it's a, it is a huge risk, um, but it's also a huge opportunity. Absolutely. And hopefully, I, I'm, I'm really hoping, because look, everyone who knows about Revolution Pro Wrestling They've got their tickets by now, right? But hopefully now we can get to the fans who haven't made their mind up yet, who don't know about independent professional wrestling, who don't know about Rev Pro, who don't know about British wrestling. Hopefully we can start to get those fans now um, and have those fans recognise 
a huge opportunity or not I say the huge opportunity. You know, look, you're wrestling fans. You're in London, you know. What else are you going to do on a Saturday night? Literally. <laughs> so, you know, so this is this is what we're trying to achieve. But it's, a, like I say, it's a whole mentality of, you know, if you, like, if you risk nothing, you risk everything. It's one of my favourite sayings, right? Everything I do and have done since day one has been a huge risk, a calculated risk, but a huge risk nonetheless. Okay, so I, I just feel that let's create something that leaves people talking. Well, we could run a run-of-the-mill show. We could be sold out by now. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not worrying about it. I'm worrying about next month. I'm worrying about the month after. But instead, I'm still consumed with August 26th. I'm still worried about it. I'm still working on it. We're still pushing it. Um, because I want to create, I want to make the most of this opportunity and create a lasting moment, a lasting impression. I want to create fans for life. And I know we've got a lot of fans who are traveling from around the world to see the show and they may not be able to come to see every single Rev Pro show, but I want them to make them fans enough that they then subscribe to our on-demand service. You know, um, I, I just want to keep, it's again, it's just a part of the evolution, part of the process in growing. And, you know, the fact it was 11 years to the day since we, we literally announced our arrival as a professional wrestling promotion is a big part of this as well. Like I say, written in the stars almost. Um, but in addition, our 10-year anniversary weekend last year, um, we weren't able to celebrate in the way I would have liked. We still put on, don't get me wrong, we put on two shows. They were great professional wrestling shows. But the build, the lineups, everything wasn't what it was uh, originally intended to be because I nearly died a couple of months before. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so, again, boom, right? But that was like July. So we did our um, our Summer Sizzler show, um, July twenty third in manchester and july 24th i was hospitalized i was like the whole i was ill and getting sicker and sicker in this the lead up to this thing and I literally i'd only just got like i think august maybe the, the second week of august was my first show we did the, the show at the 229 which i wasn't at the second week of august and i was overdoing it then was my first days back out in the wild when we did our show in Southampton on that second week of August. And so we weren't able to celebrate that 10 year anniversary show the way we would have liked. And it almost feels like, yeah, look, don't get me wrong. I'd rather, I'd rather um, pass by that nearly dying part, but uh, <laughs> you know, it kind of feels like at least there almost was a reason because now we can have the proper celebration and we can do it in a proper big way. And um, and that's what we fully intend August 26th to be. You're seeing names from our past coming back, former champions coming back. As you said, we've just announced El Fantasmo's coming back. Um, he's not the only former champion who's going to be coming back. Um, and we're able to do it properly and we're able to do it in style. And I genuinely hope, look, we've kind of passed, we've had levels of where we kind of want to get to. Um, and our minimum expectation, um, which is our minimum requirement to get to, to not go bankrupt, basically, because that's what it is. You know, that's for us what yeah. this undertaking is. Um, and we've passed that now. Right. So now we've got our next goal that we're aiming to hit. And hopefully we do that and then we can, you know, go full steam ahead and try and get all the way there. But we'll see what happens. Um, but like I say, like I'm I'm kind of so pumped and excited um, and and I want to do something that is a lot that leaves a lasting impression. There's a lot of stuff going on around that that weekend, including obviously all in. 
again, look, we can't compete for it with spectacle. And I always look at WrestleMania weekend as, as the example, you know, and um, WrestleMania is a firework display at the end of a celebration of wrestling. Like I say, we want to be a big part of that celebration. We also want to be a part of the celebration, which is talked about. Think about the amount of events that go around along, uh, around, go on around WrestleMania weekend. How many, at the time, we're, we're buzzing, we're loving it. I love WrestleMania weekend. It's one of my favorite times. Um, and we are loving it, right? But there's so many fantastic Speedball Mike Bailey matches that we can't think about which one was our favorite. You know? Yes. Because <laughs> um, yeah. there's literally 20 of them in one weekend. Some um, like five in one day. <laughs> So, you know, I want to be that show that people walk away from that weekend talking about. And I want to be that show that come the end of the, the weekend, once we've seen Wembley, I still want people to be talking about our show. Because from an in-ring perspective, I don't think there's any touch in it. You know, we're not going to be, like I say, we're not going to be able to compete with a spectacle. But from an in-ring perspective, we absolutely will compete. And I know the atmosphere for the people that are inside the building and that on that night, I know they will create a, spe a special atmosphere. And I think pound for pound, they will be able to compete. So like I say, I'm not, we, we're not going to be able to surpass all in, but we're going to be able to be in the conversation of that weekend when the weekend's over. And, you know, and like I say, hopefully we'll create a lot of new wrestling fans in the process. And hopefully we'll prove something to ourselves about, Yes, we can do it. Yes, we can do something of this size. And hopefully the reviews we get and feedback we get, hopefully that will encourage us to continue to push further. Um, and, and that's all we can do. Again, we're on a journey right now. And can that journey be accelerated if we have a sponsor come in and pump in loads of money? Absolutely it can. Um, can it be accelerated if a TV company comes in and says, here's loads of money? Absolutely it can. But if none of those things happen... My pure intent is we'll still be here. We'll still be plugging away. We'll still be working hard. You know, and, and 11 years ago when we started Revolution Pro Wrestling, if you asked me where we'd be, I wouldn't be able to give you an exact answer, but I'd tell you we'll still be here. And if you ask me where we're going to be 10 years from now, I'll tell you the same answer. You know, we'll still be here. We'll still be growing, hopefully bigger than we were yesterday. And that's all we're comparing ourselves to. And that's all we're trying to achieve. I love that energy. I'm so excited for the show. This is one of my last questions, but what do you hope to be the lasting impact of this weekend on the UK and just European wrestling? Like this, like you said, this is probably the closest thing to WrestleMania weekend, possibly even bigger. Um, what do you hope, just because there's been a lot going on, I think in the UK, wrestling scene between um between COVID, hello nxt uk speaking out a whole lot of things and obviously like uk wrestling has been in this rebuilding phase and so this is a huge opportunity um and not just rev pro obviously all in pro wrestling eve progress other places like what do you hope is the lasting impact on the scene after this weekend um i hope it just reminds people that there is a scene you know, and I think that it's uh, like it is a huge opportunity to showcase exactly what the British wrestling scene is all about. Um, 
and I hope no one takes this opportunity for granted or takes it lightly, you know, running run-of-the-mill shows, because this is an opportunity. This is a shop window to, to remind people, to remind the wrestling world that the British wrestling scene on its day is, is one of the best in the world. We don't look geographically. It's, it's going to be very hard for, you know, the British wrestling scene to compete you know, because geographically we don't have the number of people, we don't have the number of mid-sized buildings in order to be able to, you know, have a have a territory that's able to, you know, pop every single night. You know, um, but I I hope it enlivens fans, and I hope it lights a fire amongst fans, and I hope that fans realise that the only difference between us and and getting to that next level is a fan support, because if people support it and support it with positivity, then I think there's no end to the limits of what we can achieve. So me personally, um, I just hope that we leave a positive, lasting impression. And I hope, and this is maybe my biggest hope, I hope that people realise, I hope that AEW realise, and I hope that wrestling fans realise, that this is something that can be an annual event or a biannual event. And I knew when this was announced, anyone who asked me, you know, again, that whole telling the truth always thing or my truth always thing, um, anyone who asked me, if, I, if they asked me how I thought the show was going to do, I said it would sell out or near enough. And everyone was like, you're crazy, you're mad. And I was like, no, because what this is in terms of AEW at Wembley is it's an event, it's an occasion. There's nothing more that British people love than an occasion, right? <laughs> but Anthony Joshua, is a brand. I don't know how familiar you may or may not be with with Anthony Joshua, but in in the UK, Anthony Joshua is a brand. Tyson Fury is a brand. But I I go back to AJ, because AJ has had several sellout houses at Wembley Stadium against relative relative unknown opponents. Hmm. It's about the Anthony Joshua show, Anthony Joshua at Wembley, Yet, well, his last show, his last show, uh, his next fight is at the O2, sold out straight away. But the fight before was also at the O2, didn't sell out straight away. But Wembley, instant sellouts. Because AJ at Wembley, it's that big fight atmosphere, it's that big fight feeling. It's an occasion, it's an event, and I genuinely feel that people will get behind. It doesn't like look forget. WWE is like, oh, let's run WrestleMania at Wembley. Look, we all know what that was all about, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, to me, look, if they're going to do it, just get ahead and do it. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd welcome them. I'd love them to do it, right? Um, but to me, like, I feel that, and again, there's obviously other places, London Stadium, um, they could run. Um, Tottenham Stadium, they could run. You know, in terms of big stadiums in, in, in London where you could run a, a big event, of that scale. Um, but to me, look, it's not about, uh, I feel like a, one thing I love about the Wembley thing as well with, with AEW is it's, again, it's not about getting that, that smash and grab that, you know, whatever government funding they can get to run a show. They've literally funded it off their own back. You know, I love that spirit because that's what, you know, that's what we do. We fund everything off our own back. Right. And I feel that, if people realise the, the enormity of the event, if AEW can deliver an event like no other, and it's a huge pressure to be able to do, but people want that feeling. People want that atmosphere. And if we can contribute by 
putting on these shows, putting there's Q&As, you know, there's after parties, there's wrestling shows, there's autograph sign-ins, meet and greets. Um, you know, there's all these activities going on. And if, and, and wrestling fans want that destination. And I think that a summer in London is a great destination. And I hope, I, I really hope that it can continue. And I hope that this whole weekend can create that lasting impression. Because I don't know about you, but as a wrestling fan, I'm always chasing that feeling. You know, yeah. there's, nothing, there's nothing like being in that crowd, that moment. You know, I, I do commentary on the majority of our shows. You can often see me jumping up and down, right? Because that's a feeling. That's a feeling that professional wrestling can give you. And I guess I'm talking to wrestling fans here. And if you've just stumbled upon this podcast, how random. But <laughs> every single, every single wrestling fan can relate to that feeling when your hat when you're the hairs on the back of your arm stand up you get goosebumps you know it's you know you want to hug the stranger next to you you know the last time that happened was our last show at your call when my cloak who won the heavyweight championship from great okan grown adults jumping up and down and hugging each other you know it's it's again it's it's, it's almost like it's, it's live sport in general that, that is able to give you that feeling. I, I say, like, I get suckered into the Olympics all the time. You know, I, I there's all kinds of... Taekwondo was one of the ones that I got into during the last Olympic Games. I was a huge fan for about half an hour, right? <laughs> Highest of highs and lowest of lows, an, emo, an emotional roller coaster. That's what live sport can do for you. But wrestling's like none other because... And again, it's like we've just had Wimbledon over here. Again, it's like people are having to hang on to their, you know, hold themselves, compose themselves until the end of each point, right? And then they're able to clap, and then they've got to die down. And then they're able to clap, and they've got to die down, right? Musical theatre, fantastic. No art form like it, apart from professional wrestling, which I would argue is better, right? Theatre, you have to wait till the end of a musical number until you can show your appreciation show your applause you're allowed to quietly cry you're allowed to quietly have tears rolling down your cheeks but you're not allowed to sob you're not allowed to shout at the villain on the on the stage right wrestling is that instant gratification you have a ha hard day at work take it out on the wrestlers True. Lose yourselves. you can literally lose yourselves it's an all-immersive experience where you're witnessing human superhuman feats before your very eyes, which are breathtaking under the, the best of circumstances, but you're also allowed to shout, you're allowed to scream, you're allowed to stomp your feet, you're allowed to clap your hands, you're allowed to get lost in that, you know, in that, that time. And I think that this is what I want people to walk away with. And you know what? I hope as well, I hope we get some curious bystanders. Because even for us, you know, you're going to get it at Wembley for sure, because it's just an event at Wembley Stadium. And like I say, the Brits love an occasion. So you're going to get non-wrestling fans. You're going to get lapsed fans. You're going to get fans who are just like, oh, yeah, I remember SummerSlam 92, or I remember DX, I remember Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, who haven't got a clue what the AEW product is, right? You're going to get those fans come along to the show. And I hope that we can pick up a few of those fans as well, because obviously running the Copperbox Arena is still a big deal. You know, it's obviously not the size of your Wembley, but it's still a big deal. It's a major arena. It's an Olympic legacy venue. You know, it's a brand new state-of-the-art arena. 
And I hope that we get some of those people as well. And they get that feeling. Because when you get that feeling, there's nothing like it. And there's really no turning back. So, you know, hopefully we can create some fans for life. Hopefully we can reinvigorate some lapsed fans. Because hopefully there'll be fans who, who haven't watched since the pandemic. Because that's another thing as well, isn't it? It's habit, you know, viewing habits. So people who got in the habit of, you know, coming to watch us once a month in London or, you know, coming to our big York Hall shows, they fell out of that habit when the pandemic came, smacked us all across the face, right? And hopefully, and there'll be a lot of people who this will be their first show back. And hopefully it's not going to be one of those things where people go like, you know, like, oh yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that. That was a nice firework display. No, we want it to be something that hooks them and wants them to come back again and again and again and again. And we want to get bitten by that bug again. So really the potential, the opportunity for every single person running that weekend is absolutely huge. You've just got to put your best foot forward. And all you need to do is look at our lineup. The reason we came out with Shingo and, Os Shingo and Osprey as a first match before anything else, sign of intent. It wasn't saying that this is going to be, you know, the, the best match on the card, and it very may well, well be. You know, five matches, and the lowest rating a match has got by Dave Meltzer is five stars. You can put whatever weight, weight you want into star ratings, but at the end of the day, yeah, it, you know, if you're, if you're looking at that barometer, then it shows you the caliber of what you've got to expect. And look, if you don't like that style of wrestling, you've got Zack Sabre Jr., the best technician in the world wrestling. You know, so many diversities of styles and there's going to be something for everyone. Like I say, we're putting our best step, our best foot forward. And I hope that everyone could just look at that lineup. You can see we're putting our best foot forward and you just give us a give us a go. Like even if, like what have you got to lose apart from about 30 quid? <laughs> You've got nothing to lose. Come and give us a go. And I guarantee you'll be entertained. I guarantee you'll get your money's worth. And if you buy an expensive ticket, you'll get even better value for money because you're going to get better seats, better atmosphere. Just give me more money, basically. <laughs> yeah, I listen, I feel that exact same way as a fan. Um, I It's that feeling. I feel like when they announced Wembley, I was like, oh, like, this is... It, it gives you hope. Like, it's just like, you know, I always root for the underdogs and it's like... I always root for the underdog and just, just like, this is brave. And I even like when you all like announced that Shingo Osprey match, I said, oh, they're laying down the gauntlet. Like if this is the first match. I'm like, oh, they're not playing. Like they are not playing. And it, and it makes you giddy as a wrestling fan. And so my last question is for you is out of the matches who that have been announced, or if you want to announce, you know, another one here, which one is your current favorite that you're <laughs> most excited to see as a fan? That's an impossible question. Um, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the match that I'm most looking forward to is actually JJ Gale versus Kofi Fujita. Me too! That's uh, me too! So, um, so, yeah, because I'll tell you why as well. So, I think stylistically, they match up very well with each other. We say stars make matches all the time. So, I think from that standpoint, it's going to be very interesting and very intriguing. Um, I also think... That I love the story of um, of JJ coming for Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. throwing obstacles in his way. Um, and I think that, I, so, so it's got an inbuilt story in and of itself. 
Um, and that's something that we've always tried to do as well. We don't just try to, when we bring in imports, it's not just a case of, you know, here comes special attraction A. We try to write them into what we're doing. Colt Cabana was one of our champions for, for a long time. Um, but it was all written in, you know, when he became a champion, he dethroned Shah Samuels. But it was a deal of, if I can't win, I will leave the UK forever. And he won. He won the championship. And there's a great, a whole great story which involved um, Colt Cabana then winding up losing the championship and then wrestling against Gideon Gray and finding himself in a situation whereby if he if he loses to Gideon Gray, who was on the most illegitimate winning streak in the whole of professional wrestling, like he'd, he was like Goldberg, he was on a streak. And if he couldn't beat Gideon Gray, he said he would leave forever. And look, he lost and Matt Classic came back and then there was a... The thing of they would reinstate him if Matt Classic and Colt Cabana could appear at the same place in the same time. And someone who resembled, I'm going to say, a skirt, certain grado appeared in the Matt Classic mask and Colt Cabana was there. Just a whole story, which you should look up on redproondemand.com for sure. Right. That's just an example of one of the stories we tell. So JJ Gale and Kosei Fujita, it's got a, an inbuilt story, despite the fact they've never met before. And in terms of development of professional wrestlers. I think they're at very similar stages in their career. Um, and again, it's one of those things of JJ Gale isn't the most well-known professional wrestler, but this is his opportunity to have a coming out story. This is his opportunity to show the wrestling world exactly what he's made of. And what also excites me a lot, and I do, look, when I say, I don't say these words lightly, I like to be proved correct. So if you look back at my, any interviews I've done over the years, um, and when, when you ask me about talents, and look, I would have been singing the praises of Will Ospreay in, in 2013. You know, I was a person who put Will Ospreay against Kazuchika Okada in front of Gado and opened the door to New Japan. He was the one who had the ability to force himself through the door and, and invite himself those return bookings, etc. But I knew the talent was there. I knew he was... I knew he was a future superstar. People were telling me, no, he's not. He's just all flips or whatever. You know, people would try to dissuade me to him on him and try and push me towards other wrestlers. But I knew. I knew Will Ospreay was, was special. And I knew that because each and every show he competed in, he would learn from the match before and he'd take something from the match before into his next contest. And it's no secret. You see um, Will Ospreay in his matches, you see him using the phenomenal forearm. You see him using the Rainmaker. Um, you see him using the Shooting Star Press. Well, not so much anymore, but, you know, before. You saw him using the Shooting Star Press. You've seen him use a V-Trigger. You know, all moves of, of wrestlers, high-profile wrestlers that he'd faced. And then he took something from and, and added it to his game. And it wasn't just moves. It was lessons. And I so... I was singing his praises then and I was proved correct. And I'm singing JJ Gale's praises now, the same way I'll sing Leon Slater's praises, you know. Um, he's a future superstar. And I think this is one of those matches, and I say this a lot, but, you know, look, I think this is one of those matches that we're going to look back on five, ten years from now. And this match could well be taking place, say, at the Tokyo Dome 
or Madison Square Garden or at Wembley Stadium, you know, for Pro at Wembley Stadium. <laughs> um, but this is one of those matches that we can see again in a bigger building and, a, you know, with the stakes higher. Where did that match first take place? It took place in Revolution Pro Wrestling, August 26th, 11-year anniversary show at the Copper Box. This show is going to have historical significance is what I would say as a betting man. And I think that this is one of those contests that shouldn't be overlooked because of that fact, let alone the fact they're both supremely talented. They're both very, very hungry. Fujita, absolutely no doubt, wants to show... Look, when, um, when a professional wrestler is a young lion, they're kind of restricted into what they can... Restricted with what they're able to do, what they're able to showcase. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that's down to time limits and, you know, and, and, and move sets, etc. Um, and Fujita's almost being fast-tracked through that system. And he's going to be eager to show the wrestling world exactly what he's all about. And um, it's one of those things where you've got two guys. It's got, look, don't get me wrong. It's going to go one way or the other. And this is, again, one of those moments. It's such a, a pivotal point in both men's careers because this is going to show you if they've got what it takes. And again, if they, look, if they don't, if it's not a great match, if it, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's a lesson learned, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm a betting man, look, they're both on this card for a reason, right? And that's because I believe in both of them. And obviously New Japan believe in enough in Fujita to, to want him to take part in this situation where they know there's going to be all these eyeballs on him. And for me, like, I feel like for the significance in their career progression, the way they handle this, they're going to be feeling energy like they've not felt before. You know, we talk about all the time about an adrenaline dump. It's a very real thing, you know. Um, there's going to be nerves. There's going to be a degree of confidence. They're going to have to resist the urge to go 100 miles an hour. You know, there's all these different elements to the match which make it so exciting. And again, from that historical perspective, I think it's so important for people to be there, you know, and see that match. And so to me, you know, I could go with an easy option, but look, we know Osprey and Shingo is going to be spectacular, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm equally as excited. Look, everything on the show I'm excited for, because when you say like Ishii and Luke Jacobs, I'm so excited for Luke Jacobs to have that opportunity to, sh to showcase. But, you know, we know Ishii never misses, right? And, never. <laughs> um, and Luke Jacobs is very similar. You know, I can't think of a bad Luke Jacobs professional wrestling match. And I think people will start to realise that. And hopefully people will see that match and then be like, my God, who is this Luke Jacobs? I need to see more, you know. And then we've got Mike Loco and Trent Seven. It's going to be great, you know. And it's a huge task for Mike Loco. His first championship defence, two Brits. Trent Seven's got a degree of notoriety, sure. But two Brits on the card, um, you know, on a show which is is filled with imported talent. And Mike Loku's first championship defense, and he feels a huge responsibility towards that champion after that journey. You know, they, people always think it's all about the journey. It's all about the journey. And then they forget about the destination. You know, once you get to that destination, the next chapter starts. So it's huge pressure on Mike Loku's shoulders as well. But, you know, you'd bet on him to deliver. Every single member of the roster, 
could bet on to deliver. And that's why it's so exciting. So, look, I started by naming one match, but I'm going to cheat and just be like all of them. But, yeah, Gale and Fujita for, for kind of that historic um, historical purposes and, and excitement purposes and being a fresh first-time match purposes. Um, and, again, is this a match which is going to open up the wrestling world to J.J. Gale? That's another exciting thing. Because I guess anyone who was at... The, there's no secret. Anyone who was in Reading in October 2013, or maybe for, no, it wasn't 13, was it? it was 2015, I believe, when uh, Will Ospreay fought uh, Kazuchika Okada. Anyone who was in Reading on that day, they know they witnessed history because that's a match that opened the door for Will Ospreay heading to New Japan Pro Wrestling and starting his real journey of becoming the best wrestler in the world. And I believe that, you know, we could say the same about August 26th. Is that going to be the same for a JJ Gale or a Luke Jacobs or anyone else who's on the card? Because the wrestling world will be watching this show. And like I say, everyone's going in with it. Everyone's going into it. They, they know they've got an opportunity to showcase themselves, to showcase British wrestling, to showcase Revolution Pro Wrestling. And there's also a lot of guys who are coming back who have uh, Revolution Pro Wrestling has a very special place in their heart. And and I'm talking about people like El Fantasmo, like Zack Sabre Jr., you know, like Will Ospreay. And, you know, and there's more to come. Um, it's a hint for you. Um, but, you know, I, those people as well want to paint Revolution Pro Wrestling in the best light, want to help us continue to evolve and get to the next level so the next version of themselves can come along you know um and i i, I it's just a it's just such an exciting part of the journey and i genuinely say this and it's not a sales pitch when i say this to 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 fans who come along and support us on demand and and buy our merchandise etc this isn't a sales pitch at all each and every single and and again from the early days. So there's a, there's a fan on, on Twitter who's going through um, our, our shows from scratch on revproondemand.com and, and, and putting out some pictures and it's invoking a lot, a, a lot of, of great memories, some painful memories and some really great memories from, uh, from back in the day. And I said to one of the fans uh, who was commenting on one of the shows he went to in 2012, one of the early shows he went to, um, and they said literally, and he was saying about he purchased a front row ticket, which, as we've discussed, was a premium ticket. But in those days, the people who were purchasing the front row tickets, if they weren't purchasing tickets in those days, there would be no Rev Pro right now. So literally every single person who's bought a ticket to our shows, who supported us, is a pivotal part of our journey. And without them, it's not, again, it's not an exaggeration. Without them and without their support, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing right now. We wouldn't be able to be recognized on a worldwide stage, you know, which we are. And we wouldn't be able to open the door for so many great professional wrestlers. And the wrestling industry, I say our fingerprints are over the entire wrestling world. And the wrestling industry, as we know it, wouldn't be the same without you. And I personally think that's something that's very special. And I think that's something that we can all be proud of. And I think that's something that people can get behind. And I hope that people have that mindset 
in supporting us on, on August 26th, and not just August 26th, but beyond. Because when August 26th is over and everyone's back home and we've had, we've had, our, big, we've had our big event, Revolution Pro Wrestling's back. The next, maybe, the next week, the next Sunday, we're back in London. We're back at the 229, you know? And our universe will continue. And we need everyone's support during that time. So, like I say, hopefully this is one of those things whereby we can start that wave of momentum. We can start that journey. And it's always been about one fan at a time. So if you're coming to the show, tell a friend. You know, if you're if you're a wrestling fan who's got non-wrestling fan friends, and a, a point I was going to make at the beginning when I was talking about my journey into professional wrestling is with these British wrestling shows. I remember one of the shows I went to, I took, we had the whole front row of about 20 seats with all my friends from school. And the next show came, next British wrestling show, and it wasn't very good, this show. Next British wrestling show came, and we had four people come along to the show because it wasn't very good. The next show came along, and I had one person come in. He pulled out on the day of the show, and I nearly didn't get to go to the show. Um, but fortunately, my late father came to the rescue and took me to the wrestling show and created one of the most special moments for me and my dad that I ever had and I still treasure to this day. So again, that's another reason why wrestling is so special to me because it creates those moments. So to those parents and those kids, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of things, um, especially speaking as a, a father of a, of a young boy, there's not a lot of things that, that dad, like when kids are young, they often gravitate towards their mum. There's, there's not a lot of stuff that, um, that dads get to enjoy doing with their kids um, that can be their special thing. And I see it so much. And especially when we did the, do the holiday camps and you see, you know, the dads come up to you and they talk to you and say, you know, like wrestling's our thing. You know, we watch wrestling together. And so it's great to be able to come out and, and come to this wrestling show with my boy and or my girl, whatever. You know, this is our thing. This is, you know, dad and kid day, you know. Um, and it's, you know, wrestling's for everyone. I'm not suggesting that, that mums can't enjoy it as well. But, you know, it's just an example of just one of those special things, right? And, but I firmly believe that if you bring a non-wrestling fan to one of our shows, you'll turn them into a fan. You don't have to bring them to one of our shows and be kind of like this. <laughs> you know, cringing. Because there's so many wrestling shows. I watch wrestling shows and I cringe a lot sometimes, right? <laughs> but, like, I can promise you, you're safe. Your wrestling, your non-wrestling fans, friends and family are safe, right? And if anything we can probably help you look like quite a normal person if you come along and bring them along, right? Um, and we've seen it a lot across the years where people bring their partners, they bring their, their family, they bring their friends who aren't wrestling fans. And all of a sudden, you know, we start seeing that one ticket that was a regular start to become two or three because it is something that you can get invested in. It is something you can get behind. It is something that's a little bit different. It entails leaving the house, meeting new people, new experiences, and it's a lot of fun. So if there's one show to bring your, your friends along to, bring them along to the Copper Box or any Revolution Pro Wrestling show for that matter. Because, again, I'm not, I don't want to sell a short. I genuinely believe, in terms of what we deliver, I genuinely believe we deliver a, um, a product night in night out doesn't matter what venue we're in 
I don't believe we deliver a high quality product that is worthy of eyeballs on it. So even if it doesn't have the big names on it, you're still seeing the same high quality. Well, I am super excited for this show. Um, also, if I had to bet any money, I would put it on the Gale Fujita match myself. Um, but if you haven't already, if you plan to be in the UK for um, all in weekend, make sure that you go to the Copper Box show um, held by Revolution Pro Wrestling. Tickets are still available. It's Saturday, August 26th. You can get your tickets on revolutionprowrestling.com. And if you don't plan on traveling, you can also sign up for their on-demand service, Rev Pro On Demand. And you can, where can we follow Rev Pro and on everything? So uh, on Twitter, we're at, oh, sorry, on X, we're, <laughs> we're at Rev Pro UK. Um, we did threads for about five minutes, so uh, we're still trying to do it, but I don't really think it's taken off, has it? I mean, it hasn't. I, I made one and I haven't used it since. Yeah, everyone was angry for the day and pushing back, and I'm sure people would be angry that the, the title of Twitter's changed to X, but let's be honest, it's a, like the, the, the biggest downfall of Twitter is some of the people that inhabit it, you know? Um, it, the, a platform's only as good as its user, but there's for every, for every bad tweeter or Xer, there's also a hundred good ones, but unfortunately um, it's human nature to focus on the one bad one. But, um, but yeah, spread positivity on the social media channels, but at Rev Pro UK, uh, we're on Facebook, Revolution Pro Wrestling. Um, RevolutionProWrestling.com has got all the links. It's got the links to our training school in London and Portsmouth. We run regular beginner, uh, on, in Portsmouth we run regular beginner classes weekly, um, but we also run courses for beginners in London and Portsmouth. If you want to, take part in your wrestling journey um genuinely it's never too late to give it a go and um, we do wrestling taster experiences um if you just want to feel what it's like and gain a further respect for wrestlers um it's all the information's on revolutionprowrestling.com or at least uh, the, the avenues you can go down um and of course revproondemand.com um very important for us it's a, the backbone the lifeblood of the wrestling promotion um it's um it is I, I can't understate it enough. Look, we, it's something that we've been developing for a long while. Um, we are on the verge of being able to stream every show we run live. Uh, we currently stream about 80% of the shows we run live. Um, and the, we're tweaking things to improve the quality. Uh, the Copper Box show will be streaming live on RevProOnDemand.com. It'll be included in your subscription price. Um, the strategy is very clear. I'm not, uh, it's, not a, it's not a ploy. Um, you know, obviously we could, we could try and put it as a standalone pay-per-view and, and try to make like bandits and run, but that's not our style. We don't want to hit and run. This is not a firework display. This is something we want to create regular fans. Um, so we're inviting you to, to subscribe to our on-demand service. It's cheap. It's cheaper than the WWE network anyway. So, uh, uh, or Peacock as you got. I mean, it's not got as much, it's not got as much, um, diverse entertainment as Peacock's got these days. That's a hell of a deal for, for everyone in America. But um, in terms of supporting the little guy and supporting professional wrestling, um, then, yeah, then RevProOnDemand.com. Um, and like I say, the quality is improving. And what we want to do is we want to stream this event live. And look, every now and again, there's a hiccup. We're all in-house. But um, the, the beauty of it is we get a... Uh, very soon after the event, maybe half an hour or so after the event, a... Um, a low-res version of a live stream is live. So if you can't wait, you can catch the action straight away. Um, if you've missed anything, um, 
but then the next day a high quality version goes up and that's regardless of if there's any technical difficulties in the live stream or not um a, a high-res version will go up the next day it's, it's honestly great value for money um if you subscribe now then we've got a seven day free trial going on right now so you'll get the first seven days for free but even between now and the copper box for example um you'll get another free show so next week we're in um we're in london a week after we're in southampton and then we're in portsmouth um with our rescheduled show which is supposed to have taken place on sunday but someone uh inconsiderately got murdered outside the venue uh not a uh, not a professional wrestling fan <laughs> okay. wrestling, nothing to do with our event but the night before um gotcha. and uh it's one of the craziest experiences that we've had we were literally setting up the show we were there setting up and the police cancelled the show after saying that it should be able to go ahead um the show got cancelled so we had to reschedule it but um but we'll, we'll be back on back there on the 20th of August. Um, and then obviously the 26th is uh, the Copper Box. Um, and I believe due to that seven-day free trial, you'll also get the, the show the following week at the 229 included in that subscription price if you if you were to subscribe now. Now, we'll probably take the seven-day free trial off um, just before the Copper Box show because, come on, you know, you're getting yeah. quality. Um, but... Um, but what I will say is, you know, the strategy is simple. We want you to sign up. We want you to see what we're all about. We want you to explore our back catalogue. And we want you to feel like, just for example, if you think that this is a worthy pay-per-view, I don't know how much people pay for pay-per-views these days, um, but, you know, it's a lot. Right? And I feel that, for example, I don't know what, a, what All In or All Out is going to retail at, but say, for example, it's $50. And we're charging $9 a month or maybe $8.49. I, don't, I can't remember what the price is. Um, but we're, char we're charging that. You know, it's going to take you a lot of months before you even approach that price. And in that time, you're going to get a lot of shows. So if you like it, please stay on board because the journey, we're just getting started. And we've got so much exciting stuff to announce between now and the end of the year as well. Um, and... It's all going to be on the service, as well as that extensive back catalogue. So look, we're not, we're not, um, we're not grafting, we're not grifting, we're not, uh, you know, we're, and we're certainly not asking for, for free money. Um, we we believe we are offering a, a premium product, and we believe that our product is is more than worth what, what we're charging for it. Um, and if you believe that as well, look, we all would like, all of us would love something for free, right? Don't get me wrong. Right. I hate more than anything when people um, pirate our shows when there's literally a seven-day free trial available on our service. Just give it a go. Right? Um, but uh, we'd all love something for free. And we all think the world owes us something. But genuinely, genuinely, we cannot succeed. We cannot thrive. We cannot move forward without people's support. So... I say revproondemand.com is a place to go um, and it's the best place to support us if you can't be there live. Um, so please check it out. And it's available on iOS and Android as well. Yep. Um, I am subscribed to RevPro On Demand. I can confirm it's a very great service and it's a very great bang for your buck. And you can follow me at Lyric Wrestling on Twitter and now Instagram. And I will be live tweeting and posting for all of All In Weekend, including the Copper Box show. So um, 
If you can't attend, you can live vicariously through me. But thank you so much for this interview, Andy. It was so great having you. And I hope you all enjoyed this great insight to this amazing show that's about to take place um, in London. I'm excited. I hope you all are excited. And I look forward to the next possible interview that will come up on this podcast. So bye, everybody. Thank you.